One more note before I jump in. Um, I just so appreciated um, Terry's practice that she's doing that I want to share it because I, after hearing hers, I named that um, the practice I want to do for this coming week is hers. <laughs> it was like really, really nice. And so she is currently, uh, and she said I could share this, um, picking, you know, waking up in the morning and deciding what is her uh, intention for the day and how is she going to pay attention to meeting her intention and then writing it down and then her plan is to make a box where that's there that she can check back in with it, um, it throughout the day but always already is checking back in each evening with how her intention unfolded for the day and I just thought that was such a beautiful support um, that that's what I'm going to explore for this week, being much more intentional about my intentions. <laughs> so I really liked that. I like sharing that um, because, as I said in the meditation, um, <sighs> things are hard right now. There is a lot going on in this world. And we need our ways to stay as clear and as grounded um, with um, compassionate heart, wise mind as much as possible to navigate through. And so I just thought that was a beautiful way. Uh, and I got a reminder um, this week of, of another um, um, way of orienting that we might not think about so often in terms of finding our strength, particularly in difficult times. We really need to harness our possibilities. And this is one that um, is so helpful and a practice I've been deliberately working with for years. And I can feel how it is um, changing how I relate particularly to people that I find difficult, challenging. Um, and um, it's called mudita. It's um, a Buddhist, a word from Buddhist psychology that stands for sympathetic joy. It's considered one of the four Brahma Viharas, uh, which means true home in, in um, Buddhist psychology. Uh, and true home meaning like the strength of our heart. It's the true home of the heart. So the four qualities are compassion or um, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, which is called mudita, and equanimity. And those are the four strengths of the heart that bring us to our true home. The one that is talked about the least by far is this quality of sympathetic joy. Um, also called boundless joy. Um, um, and I, I, I have a, a little thing that, you know, every morning sends me a quote to consider for the day. I really like that practice too, so I read my quote first thing in the morning. And one quote um, this past week um, from Anne Klein was on Mudita, um, boundless joy, and just really... Um, gave me pause to pull out a um, deeper reckoning, um, more intentional reckoning with this quality. So her quote, 
boundless joy, not to be mistaken for frenzied exultation, is delight in others' happiness. It banishes jealousy and stabilizes our capacity for engagement. So, banishes jealousy, we will definitely talk about that. Um, but that, that second part of her sentence stabilizes our capacity for engagement. That's kind of the um, unheralded quality of practice with, with, boundless, with boundless joy or mudita brings. It's just easier to be in the world when I develop a capacity to look appreciatively at all others, whoever they are. If I can connect with some sort of level of appreciation for anyone, <laughs> it's just easier to be in the world and to engage in the way I want as opposed to being flipped out by my reactive mind and, and struggling with fight, flight, freeze, <laughs> um, 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 and all of that reactivity that is such a drain and such a place where we can spend so much of our time. So it's interesting to really pay attention to the relationship between mudita, sympathetic joy, and just functioning better in the world. So, um, to start with, it's really also interesting. There's no word for this in English. It's not, it's not actually a um, part of our culture. Uh, and I shouldn't say there's no word for this in English. Somebody um, helped me last night. There's a Yiddish word, um, kvel, I think. That's what she told me. Kvel. Kvel. Okay, so she sent it with a K. It yeah, started K. with, okay, K-E-V. So Cavell. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's actually made it into the, um, the Webster Dictionary as an English word now, so, so I ha which is really kind of sweet. So there is some way that we are starting to like, um, open up more to this concept. Um, but in general, this is not the way we think about things in our culture. We are such a competition-oriented society that we're really raising ourselves up with this ethos of, I need to beat out the other person. And if I don't beat out the other person and they instead beat me out, then that means all badness for me. Um, and that's, that's a cultural concept. That's not a given in human construct of how we relate to each other. And it's really important to recognize that as a cultural con construct, not a given. And that there are, you know, there's nothing wrong with competition. It's about competition unbalanced, you know, and as the only construct that, we, that we're tending to talk about. So the fact that we don't even have a word for our happiness being um, brought about by someone else's happiness, that's a missing piece in how we're thinking. Um, and it is a natural part of how we're wired. 
There is a way, without having a word for it, we've all experienced what Mudita points to, sympathetic joy. If you're a parent and you've watched your child have a moment of pure happiness and you have felt happiness, that's it. That's all, that's all this is about. It's about when I can watch someone else's happiness and I just naturally feel it. And you know, maybe, maybe it is through an experience with your child. Maybe it's, it's a puppy that's just playing with just fun with its litter mate and, you, and you're just feeling like this wave of joy from their joy. Um, uh, maybe you're in a grocery store line and there's the cute little baby in its mom's arms who's looking over, it sh over the mom's shoulder at you and going, ah, <laughs> and is really happy to see you. And your heart just like springs with joy for seeing the baby. That's the quality. So we, we know that quality. Every one of us knows it at some place or another. We know that quality. But what is it like to make that quality part of our practice? To intentionally begin to look for those moments, not just because it's fun when it happens in the grocery store line, but because you're actually standing in the grocery store line and instead of like tapping your foot and wanting to go faster and like, can I get out of here? You're using that time to scan around for who's around and who's happy. And like have some appreciation for um, an interaction that's kind of sweet and that you can watch that interaction and feel that sweetness of it. Um, um, so it's real, and, and just like if you think about it, anytime you um, read a story or watch a movie or um, um, a book, that you get really engaged with the character who goes through challenges and then things like open up and go well for them. There's something we get from that. So it's, it's um, very natural to feel this quality sp spring up spontaneously with those that we, are, that we care about, um, that we have some automatic appreciation for them in our life. What the practice of mudita is, it's it to take that quality and expand it outward and open it up to broader and broader places. We do this because it feels good. Like just pause for a moment bring to mind something that gives you a natural smile. I saw my daughter and I got reminded of a YouTube we had watched a long time ago, and we watched it again this week just because it was fun. <laughs> These two little toddler twins standing in their diapers talking to each other. Bah! Ba-ba! <laughs> you know, you just watch this thing and you can't, you can't help but, but like smile. So take a moment and pause right now. What is it for you that you can just like bring up some memory, some person, some situation that automatically brings that smile? Um, maybe it's a dog that greets you with just pure joy at the day, at the end of the day. And then when you have that situation, 
feel what that feels like in your body. What does that do for your body? So, if you're like most people, that probably does one of two things. The first is maybe you were a little tight and you bring up that situation and you just go, ah. Like something relaxes, softens, opens, and a smile happens, um, which is really sweet to be able to notice that and see it. The second thing that can happen is mm, not much of anything. Like I'm trying to bring something up and I see other people in the circle smiling, but uh, I still have to deal with such and such today. And so, you know, like I'm too stressed and I can't connect when I'm too stressed. It's just not that, it's not accessible in that moment. And that's why this is a practice. When I can't connect, it's important with mudita, with sympathetic joy, to pay attention to what's going on and blocking me from feeling that situation. I'm in the grocery store line and that cute kid is making those faces at me and all I can think is, come on people, get me out of here. And I like can't even see that. That's also part of our wiring. When I'm seeing the little cute kid and I'm smiling, I'm connected to that part of my being that knows how to open, be grounded, stabilize, be mindful. When I'm seeing, when I'm standing in that line and that cute kid is right there and all I can think is, I gotta get out of here, I'm connected to my survival part of my brain. I'm like down in my amygdala. Um, and if I try to think, oh, but that's a cute kid and I should be able to smile, eh. <laughs> and I'm like trying to smile, then that's just a hypocrisy, how do you say the word, hypocrisy. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So if I see some moment that I'm not connecting to, then I need to look at what's going on and how do I meet it. Um, if it's that I'm just so stressed out in that moment that I'm caught in that tunnel vision of my stress, the first step is not <laughs> you know, boundless joy, sympathetic joy. The first step is compassion. I come with compassion to where I am in that moment. And I stay with the compassion as long as I need to, to be able to work <coughs> with that survival part of the mind. There are other reasons, though, that we, um, um, you know, it's not just I'm overwhelmed so I can't connect with this. A big reason sometimes we don't connect with sympathetic joy is we actually have an unspoken notion in our culture of scarcity of joy. Someone else's joy means they're using it up and therefore there won't be enough for me. Uh, teens are, are masters at this. She got the boyfriend, so that means I won't get a boyfriend and I will be unhappy um, because she got the boyfriend. Um, um, like I'm seeing directly other people's happiness as what takes mine down. 
we don't talk about that scarcity, but there's a way, if you look um, for it, I bet you will find it. <laughs> um, it's kind of um, hiddenly woven into our societal type of fabric um, that we go to a scarcity place. Like if you hear someone, someone else's happiness, is there part of you that has nothing to do with you, <laughs> no situation at all? Is there a part that um, kind of goes, ah, oh, yeah, well, glad for them, but what about me? You know, like, like so, so watch for that. And then when you find where that scarcity is, um, what's it like to intentionally practice with starting to unhook from it? It's just a learned belief. It's not a truth. It's a learned belief. And the way to unhook from it is, again, compassion. What about if it, the situation is you're in the office and you and your office mate, several of y'all um, know that a promotion has opened up and only one person gets it and it's not you. So there really is a scarcity. There's only one prom promotion, and you're not the one that gets it. Um, um, where does mudita, sympathetic joy, have a place when there really is only one position? That one's kind of interesting. Uh, if you take some time with it, the old or the typical American way would be to quietly fume. You know, I know that they really weren't doing their, weren't doing good work on such and such. And they got it, they got it because they were a favorite. You know, like I'm like going through all of these like fuming mad um, um, reasons of why they got it, which were unjustified. And I was wrongly overlooked. So that's one. Another um, typical American way would be, ah, oh, I really am bad. What's wrong with me? You know, I can't do it right. Um, I'm, them, I'm always over, over, overlooked because I'm such a failure. You know, the endless ways we beat up on others or we beat up on ourselves. If you look at either one of those, which are pretty typical reactions that we would say, well, yeah, that's just life. What is the effect on that? I mean, literally, on us. How does that impact my well-being in that job, in that place? I know people that leave jobs over things like that. Sometimes it's appropriate. You know, sometimes there really are situations where the, it's just, I, it's a toxic environment and I need to get out. Sometimes I'm carrying the toxic environment and I am leaving places and I'm taking it with me so no place is ever okay. Um, so, so, you know, when I let my mind think that way, how does that impact me? If I could pull out a sympathetic joy way of noticing that situation, they got the job, and there is this quality about them that I really care about. You know, I know they're struggling with finances. Um, and, and want to help their daughter go to college. You know, I'm just making up scenarios. You know, or they, they really did some nice things for me, and I can see them um, doing well in this. They are, in my mind, a total mess up, but somebody believed in them. 
and and is helping them have have a possibility you know I don't know what it is but there's a way sympathetic joy asks us to relook at another person and look for the good and actually connect with the good in them find it find that thing that possibility of appreciation that's part of the reason that sympathetic joy is so healthy for us um, is it trains us to come out of our fight flight freeze survival mind and relate to people through appreciation and then when I'm relating to them through appreciation and I can legitimately honestly feel some joy for this person I appreciate then imagine how that's going to work for me in that office environment. It's going to be totally different. If I can't find that appreciation, I never try to um, artificially manufacture it. That means I need to stay with compassion. So compassion and mudita um, um, are very interwoven together. Uh, and we need one to help inform the other. Um, and I'm just going to make one, one last little note. Um, when, so, you know, compassion to help me get to Mandita, but it also works the other way around. I remember one time um, when my daughter, when my daughter was very young, I don't know, she's four, five, five, something like that. We were at an Easter egg hunt at a friend's house that organized it, and the woman had just like set out massive amounts of candies for the kids to find, gave them all a bag, and then sent them out. And, and at the end, the kids all had these giant bags of candy. And they were all like, wow, this is great. And then the friend, she looked, she had all the kids on one side and all the adults on the other, and she looked at the kids and she said, kids, do you notice something here? All the kids have a lot of candy, and none of the adults do. Most of the kids took their bags and went, <laughs> 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 clutched it in. Um, uh, and my daughter, I'll just never forget it. She went straight to five years old. This is part of our wiring, too. Went straight to compassion. Oh my gosh, they don't have any candy. And you could see that her heart was kind of like breaking for them not having any candy. Went straight over, opened her bag up, take some. <laughs> and as soon as they took candy and had joy over taking candy, her worry instantly um, evaporated and it turned into pure joy. And so she, her compassion led her to a, a relationship of pure joy in giving the candy. That's how when we can, compassion can move the heart and we can share in the joy that happens out of it. That's how compassion doesn't become pity, um, doesn't become that look down on others. We're sharing in the joy together. Um, so I really invite you this week to look for, intentionally look for where sympathetic joy is already there and how do you bit by bit expand that, um, that circle of care and what effect does it have on how you feel in a stressed world? How does it impact your ability to stay grounded?